Welcome everybody to episode three, season three of the Race Spec Esports Podcast. I'm your host Ken Temer and I'm here as always with El Tonki. How are you doing on this Monday, El Tonki? Doing really well. Incredibly tired tonight, uh, Matt, after a long race yesterday and um, just the buzz kept going, kept me up all night and then had to get through a big day of work, but certainly well worth staying up for that one. Yeah, that's right. In Australia, we have to stay up for the European legs and it was uh, quite a late one, especially with the red flag in the middle of the race. You don't see that very often, but last night was a bit of a special event. Uh, so it was a crazy race and we've got a, a lot to get through. Um, let's start off with, uh, I guess, our winner, uh, Gasly, uh, gets his first win and unfortunately in front of no TFOC at Monza, but still a pretty special win, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, no TFOC, but an Italian car did get that victory and it was, it was awesome news for Gasly. Um, I think he, he truly is everyone's second uh, favourite driver. Um, again, he's quiet, fairly unassuming, something that we've spoken about last time and you know, fairly unlucky, especially the way he's been treated at Red Bull. Um, it's really good to see him almost stick it to his old old team um you know he he, he played his cards well he, he would definitely wasn't handed to him um it was great for him to see him take that opportunity yeah well that's right i mean he's definitely a good driver and he didn't get to show that at red bull probably a little bit because of the car but um it definitely wasn't handed to him it was in a, it was in a great spot because of the um safety car and him changing the tires um, just before that, uh, I saw in an interview, he said that he was pretty angry when the safety car came out just after he changed his tires, but it worked out perfectly for him in the end. But I think what you mean by not handed to him is uh, he still had the race for it at the end uh, with Carlos Sainz breathing down his neck. But even at the restart, um, he handled the pressure and, and someone who didn't handle the pressure, I thought Lance Stroll, um, didn't handle that restart well at all and, and fell back and really made it hard for himself. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, when you have a look at those top three cars of Gasly, Sainz and Stroll, um, you'd really say that Stroll has the leading car out of all of them. Um, so strong in this early part of the season. And out of all of them, he had literally a free pit stop. Both Gasly and Sainz had pitted beforehand, so they do lose a little bit of time in the race. But Stroll was able to get his tyres changed under the red flag. Um, so super fresh tyres, an awesome car. And he choked uh, in the moment. He's come out and he's admitted that as well. Um, so, look, disappointing for him. Uh, but going back to Gasly, he definitely fought really, really well for that victory. Um, Sainz had a faster car, but when I was looking at the interval timing as we got towards the end of that race, uh, Gasly was just putting in really, really quick, quick laps and keeping... You know, a two, three second buffer the whole time without a whole lot changing it was really only the last few laps that Sainz um, had caught up. Um, awesome podium though, those three, and, and well done to all of them. And it, it really kept an exciting race. Um, certainly a race of recent memory, at least in my books. And uh, hopefully we, we get a few more of those in weeks to come, especially with some of these new tracks, which we'll, we'll discuss later. Mm. Well, it, it was well managed by... Um... Taurus or Alpha Tori. Uh, as we heard on the radio during the race, uh, he was clearly managing his tyres while the others were trying to get through traffic, uh, get through those um, 
uh, Alfa uh, Romeos. Um, and that gave, left him in good stead towards the end of the race because he was able to push. They sort of gave him the green light and said, don't worry about your tyres anymore. Um, we're good to go. So uh, really well managed, but really uh, mature drive. And I think it's really put him in a good light. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for him. I think he'll still be at, at Alpha Tori next season. Um, but where we go from there, I mean, if he keeps putting he, the correct foot forward, he could end up at any other team or even back at Red Bull and, and to try again. Uh, who knows? But all he can do right now is, is keep driving like he is, and he's the driver of the season uh, for me, if, if not Hamilton. Um, it would definitely have to be Gasly. And just on the podium, it was one of the oddest podiums where... I've never seen second and third so shattered and disappointed at coming second and third, especially guys who rarely get on the podium. Both were gutted. Uh, Stroll was extremely gutted um, after the race. We saw a lot of people consoling him. He he sort of knew he'd thrown thrown away a race win there and maybe one of his only opportunities for a race win. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you asked any of those drivers or, or told any of those drivers that there is going to be a podium without Merck, without Ferrari and without... Red Bull, do you fancy your chances? Every single one of them would say, yeah, I think I can win that race. Um, so gutted, uh, but they really should all be quite happy. It's it's great points for their uh, respective teams and also their, their individual fight um, for points. Um, but it really is an opportunity missed. Signs um, believe that as well. He really wanted that race win. Um, and second simply wasn't good enough. Stroll, we just discussed that he had a bit of a choke um, heading into those uh, final few laps. Um, I actually saw a, a picture today as well. It was it was a meme, and they had Gasly, Science, and Stroll. And the caption was, imagine missing the race and then turning on the TV to see this. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes to show how crazy how crazy that race was. It's, it's, it's unreal, and I'm, I'm still buzzing from what happened last night. That was great. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, at around lap 10, my eyes are drifting and I'm like, nah, stay awake, there's still plenty in this race, especially with the two McLarens at the front, we'll, we'll come to them a little bit later on, but uh, I, I think if Bottas hadn't have fallen down the order and it was both Mercs running away with that at the front, I may have, I may have drifted off, but there was enough in it for me to, to, to keep watching uh, and I'm glad I did because yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen a red flag in a while and... Uh, there was plenty of action after that, and every lap counted, and every lap meant something. So that it was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw that Bottas dropped back to what P6 by pretty well turn six, which kept things quite interesting. That kept me up, um, up and about as well. Um, disappointing for him, however, uh, given how how quick Hamilton was and how quickly he was making up places. Uh, through the field at the second half of mm. that race. Uh, you almost expected Bottas to do uh, far better than what he actually did. He just simply wasn't able to get too far ahead of Ricardo and, and, and push uh, those Norris, Stroll, signs and, and Gasly for the win. So he'd be quite disappointed as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, with the commentators saying that um, uh, there must be something wrong and then we heard him come on the radio, I've got a, I've got a puncture, I've got a puncture. And... It was just odd that Mercedes come back and go, nah, everything's fine. You're just not driving very well. <laughs> and I thought that was that was pretty amusing. <laughs> You're just too slow, mate. Yeah. yeah. Lift. Especially when you, I was going to say, especially when you have a look at the overall standings too. Um, 
there was a potential for Hamilton to get zero points there for a moment, mm. um, but he, he he managed to get you know his his seven points plus a faster slap to make it eight. And Bottas had his chance to to grab that podium and, and really try to claw back that deficit that he had. And yeah, you you expect that's his title five over, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, we'll come to Verstappen a little later as well. You saw how angry he was at being withdrawn. He knew as soon as Hamilton had to go to the back, this was his chance to, to really claw back some points. But the Red Bulls just went there, and we'll talk about it a bit later. But, um, yeah, just a, a really crazy race. Uh, talking about crazy, uh, Ferrari not, not making the top 10 in qualifying, uh, and then just chaos after that. Uh, and, and it... It felt like the chaos came from pushing beyond the limits of the car because they were so desperate to be further up in the field than what they actually were. Yeah, it's going from bad to worse for Ferrari, unfortunately. No one getting to Q3 and Vettel having his brake failure, Leclerc crashing. It's it's truly crashing down for them. Um, again, they were quite lucky, just like we were discussing last week, that they weren't going to have any fans um, this week. But... Look, something's got to turn for them. I know we've had our Ferrari bashing in the past, and it's all it's all enjoyable to talk about. But after this, though, you 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 really hope that they start to show some spark for the the second half of the season moving forward. Yeah, well, that that's it. I mean, they, they, it's going to be tough for them. I can't see them just magically switching it on next season either. So it might be the twenty twenty one regs where we see Ferrari back to full power, but. Everyone was, oh, you know, Ferrari's going to be bad for the Italian. It's, it's lucky there's no fans. And in the end, it was unlucky there was no fans because the other Italian team got the <laughs> got the win. Um, and you saw how much it meant to them as well. It was it was just an, it was just awesome. I mean, I was, I was so tired, but I kept watching all the way through the podium. I wanted to see that and then interviews after. And um, it was just really great to see. Uh, the other, so Federal's had a brake failure. Yeah? just went straight through all of the polystyrene um and we saw the williams as well with his their brakes were on fire near the start and i thought oh that's a bit bit odd and then um yeah the ferrari's brakes just gave out completely and then we see leclerc um he's on the hards and he's trying to warm them up and he's clearly pushing he clearly wants to go faster or thinks he should be further at the front and he just overcooked that. Uh, that's the only explanation. I haven't seen anything to say there was a mechanical favor, failure. He just uh, too much throttle going around that corner. The car couldn't stick to the road and just threw him into the wall. Yeah, absolutely. Two very different crashes. Vettel obviously having a mechanical failure, a brake issue, which he unfortunately can't do anything about. But Leclerc himself came out and said that it was 100% his fault um, for having that crash. Obviously, the car just wasn't sticking to the road uh, during that time and overcooks it, uh, tries to correct the steering and suddenly he's in the gravel and straight into the wall. Um, got to admit, having a look at it live, because I can't remember who they were who they were following through Parabolica and then you see Leclerc just absolutely fly out and crash into the wall and your heart sinks a little bit, thinking that yeah, yeah. maybe this guy's not going to walk away from this one. Um, but again, again, we've spoken about safety in the past and it's great that the FIA has uh, all the correct procedures in, in place to make sure that these drivers are staying safe. And it was, well, he didn't walk away from that one. He ran away from that one. Uh, probably a little bit embarrassed, for sure, on that. 
Yeah, when I saw it, it was like an explosion when he hit that hit the tire barrier. I thought, whoa, that's gonna hurt. And he clearly was a little hurt. Maybe the wind just um, pushed out of him there. But uh, he was probably a little lucky at the same time, but he hit that wall very hard. So it was interesting. I mean, yeah, Ferrari, uh, I think this is going to be a, a familiar thing that we see. They might be a little better at Mugello next week, uh, different type of track. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, moving on. So we've got Mercedes. We, we did speak a little bit about Bottas falling back, but the main thing I wanted to talk about was that car is designed so much to be out in front and good on them that's their right to design a car they can do whatever they want but clearly now the key is just to get in front of them somehow and if you can do that it's very hard for them to pass i mean sure hamilton passed everyone at the back but there was no there was no competition there and they didn't get up to they didn't get up to the renos at all uh to really test that out um but Bottas couldn't do anything. He kept having to go out into the cold air just to uh, keep the engine cool, which is not going to help you at Monza because you need the slipstream to get past people. Yeah, you're right. It does seem like they built that car for qualifying, getting ahead, staying ahead, and then winning the race comfortably, which has worked for them. Um, But I know one of the commentators was saying that you needed at least a second or a second and a half more pace than the car ahead of you to be able to overtake um and as you said these cars were overheating being behind the hot air that's generated by the car in front um not using that slipstream drs simply not enough in order to get through i'm in ahead of the car in front and yeah look i was really disappointed that bonus couldn't get um further ahead and having a look at the timings between hamilton and Gasly, because I had that that graphic up as well. I was curious to see if he was going to make many inroads to people like Gasly, Sainz, or or Stroll. And yeah, he was getting a little bit quicker, but certainly not enough to think that even if he did catch these cars, that he'd be able to make a comfortable overtake. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, with some of these future circuits, some of the unknown ones or or the ones that require a little bit more downforce. Um, If they're not able to get that excellent qualifying lap that they're used to. If they're going to be able to, to move up from you know, a, a midfield battle into that podium or, or winning position. Yeah, and we're seeing with all the races being pushed back, it's hot everywhere. Like It's just how it's worked out this season. And yeah, it, there were so many little talking points with the Mercedes. Going forward... They're still going to struggle in the heat. We've already seen that with the blistering tyres and this time with the engine temperatures. And yeah, I've said all we have to do is get in front of them. That's that's another matter entirely. No one can do that at the moment. They're clearly a second a lap ahead of everyone in qualifying. So unless something goes wrong like it did for Bottas at the start of the race, you're not, you're not going to be in front of them. Um, but the other thing that I thought was odd, and, and during the red flag, a lot of shenanigans were going on. And it did, even the commentators would not clear on the rules or and and some of them you know act as stewards and stuff and they had no idea if they could change tires and they're flipping through the books and all that sort of stuff but i thought it was interesting merc were trying to get away with repairing broken ducts to open them up for the engine 
but they weren't they're not broken they just wanted to put in bigger ones and you could see their fire stewards is going no 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 you can't do this and if they said on the radio they managed to do something to open up the 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 airflow but um yeah cheeky one from mercedes to try and change some broken parts in air quotes um to put some better vents in yeah i i I fall into that boat as well of I had literally no idea what you were allowed to do, what you weren't allowed to do during the red flags. I didn't even know you could repair damage. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know you could uh, make it as a, serve as a pit stop as well to change tyres. But you know, it was quite interesting to see uh, all the teams uh, just trying to get the attention of the FIA just to see what they can and can't do. And then you've got Lewis Hamilton running off to the stewards to discuss his incident um, for driving uh, through the pit lane while the pit lane was closed. Uh, it was the the entertainment was really off the track um, for myself anyway, and uh, they they weren't able to change those ducts, were they, Mercedes? No, they did say on the radio to Hamilton that they had opened it for him, but I, I sometimes I think with Hamilton they just lie to him so he'll shut up and just and focus <laughs> on the race. Um, but I don't think they can. I, I don't think they were allowed to. I think the stewards were looking at him, and that was clearly what they were trying to do, what was lying on the floor. And, yeah, I don't think they were allowed to, which is... And you could see Bottas's car hadn't changed at all. He was constantly trying to get into clear air to cool the engine down. So, no, I don't think they were allowed to change anything. Um, uh, some of the others... You've only got 10 minutes. How, can, how much can you really fix in 10 minutes? So if mm. it doesn't bolt off and bolt on, there's not too much you can actually do but it was definitely an interesting race especially with Bottas falling behind and then the Hamilton drama and yeah like you said he ran up to the stewards I'm like oh what's he doing you know you don't have that much time yeah and they're not going to change it just for you considering um, they've already given it to uh, Giovinazzi I thought it was odd that they handed down Giovinazzi's penalty before Hamilton's even though Hamilton Mm. was the one who did it first I'm like at that point, I got a bad feeling. I'm like, oh, don't tell me they're going to do some rubbish loophole or something where Giovinetti gets a penalty and Hamilton doesn't. But uh, luckily, they both were given the same penalty, which was fair yes. and just. My understanding is that because Hamilton was able to pit so quickly after the safety car was deployed, that the stewards were, were, were considering the idea that maybe the pit lane closed symbol wasn't out just yet. Um, now, whether that's reality or, or not, I don't know. But when they had a look at um, the timing of the events, the pit lane had closed at the exact moment that the safety mm. car had come out. And plus, they could see Lewis Hamilton's on board that that red X was there on the outside of Parabolica. Um, whether or not these drivers are aware or, or prepare um, for these events, for these symbols, I don't know. But I think the onus really has to be on the um the mercedes-benz um pit team there you know, yeah. those who sit there on the wall they well, they instructed him to box 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 and as a driver you're, you're going to listen to what your pit crew says i mean hamilton will have his opinions here and there of course during the race mm. um but that's that's a massive massive blunder for them yeah. and it, it really cost him the race well going by um the sky sports team uh, i was watching some of their uh, rest of their show uh, today on YouTube and um, Mercedes have come out and said that um, it's it's their, completely their fault and that they need to rectify the situation. A lot of the other teams knew 
um, that the pit window is closed. But the situation at Mercedes was apparently uh, it comes up on the fourth screen. So they must have separate screens from stewards or um, lights and warnings and things like that. And apparently it comes up on the fourth screen. And the fourth screen, Mercedes didn't have up on on their wall. Mm. The fourth screen was only back at um, Mercedes headquarters, uh, not at Monza. So by the time mm. the guy at the headquarters had relayed that back, it, it was way too late. Whereas the other, a lot of the other teams apparently have that fourth screen up on their thing, and they'd seen a flashing light that the pit lane was closed. So um, mm. yeah, both the Mercedes and um, Alfa Romeo they had made that mistake where they just didn't have the screen with that warning light for anyone to see at, at the racetrack. Yeah, that's very unlike Merck as well. Usually they're quite on top of things like that, making sure that they're pitting at the right time, making sure mm. that they're double stacking, they've got the correct tyres out, they've got the correct strategy um, going ahead with the race as well. So uh, unlike them, it's almost a Ferrari or a Renault move, that one there. Yeah, but... MVP to uh, Magnussen for parking it in front of the pit lane. 100%. (laughs) Uh, We'll move on to an outstanding weekend for McLaren. Uh, Both cars were quick and uh, like Carlos said, Science said after the race, uh, even without all the the craziness, they would have come second and and third or fourth. And I 100% believe that they they had really quick cars um, that weekend and and you could see Science pulling away and Lando doing a good job of... uh, I don't think he was intentionally holding everyone up. I think he was just a bit slower than than Carlos this weekend. Yeah, excellent qualifying, excellent in the practice, showing some good time there, and excellent results there in the race. Look, they, they were they were very unlucky with the safety cars and the red flags putting them back in what was it eighth and ninth position for the second restart. Mm. Um, but the result is is fair. Um, Signs really did want that win and. Uh, the only reason why he didn't get it was because Gasly wasn't in a better position um, because of the safety car and the red flags. Yep. Um, they're going from strength to strength, these two, Sainz and Norris. Um, they're, they're forming a, a great partnership, obviously going to be broken when Sainz does move on um, mm. from McLaren. Um, looking incredibly strong, though, and that, that Constructors' Championship is is looking quite in their favour as well. Um, that moves them, I think, up to up to third now behind Red Bull, so well and truly best of the rest. Yeah, we're seeing a bit of a trend as well this season where the uh, uh, teams that are not the factory teams are outstripping the factory teams. Um, McLaren have been more impressive than Renault uh, with their engine this season, and in the last couple of races, Alfa Romeo has been more impressive than uh, Ferrari, definitely. They've been quicker. Raikkonen's been quicker than both of them uh, in both races, and uh, Honda Dapatore yeah, really showed them up this weekend as well. I mean, in pace, Gasly was mixing it with the Red Bulls, and in the race pace, Verstappen didn't appear to have much. Yeah, no, great point there as well. I think that's something that we discussed last time with the racing point and their um their issue in copying parts. Uh, having parts are great, but developing these parts, understanding how they work is even more important. Mm. And that's where these teams such as McLaren, such as Alfa Romeo and, and, and the Honda engine um, of Alfa Tauri, they've developed them really well. They're getting great results out of them. Um, and now as we head into the second half of the season, as these parts will be, continue to be further developed, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to outperform these factory teams. Yeah, definitely. And... Um... 
well, we're, we're about halfway through now. We've got eight races, so um, still plenty of the season left. Uh, we'll touch on racing point. We've already touched on Stroll. I don't think we need to, to go back over that again. Again, uh, he's still young. He's making mistakes, and uh, I think every time uh, he's definitely maturing as a driver um, and and getting a lot better. Some of his overtaking is now um, right up there. I feel. Um, yeah, a few years ago he was a bit of a meme, but um, he's definitely proving himself now. And, and he buckled under the pressure a little bit on the weekend, but uh, he still threw in some good moves after that, um, uh, which was really good. Uh, his qualifying still is poor, in my opinion, but uh, his racing is not too bad. Yeah, I think the fact that he's got some job security now helps too. Mm. And obviously with ownership, with his dad taking part in some ownership now, um, his 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 seat's not going to be taken away after some bad races, so that gives him confidence to make those moves on the racetrack. Yes, he's not the greatest racer when it comes to to qualifying. The pace isn't there when compared to to some of some of his peers, but that confidence really does help him out on the racetrack. Uh, when you have that confidence to make moves, get uh, deeper on the brakes, then you're going to make up positions and extend any advantage that you do have. So, we yeah. to see to see what happens in future seasons as well. That job security will still continue to be there. He will continue to mature, develop as a racer. Um, and, yeah, it remains to be seen whether he can really stake a claim for, for more podiums moving forward. Definitely. Uh, Red Bull. Um, Albon, not not good. Not Sort of his fault, sort of not his fault. Um, the first incident with Gasly, I don't think it was his fault. Um, if anything, it was more Gasly, but it declared a racing incident. And lucky Gasly didn't get more damage from that, really. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been getting that win. And then you have Verstappen uh, retires from the race with uh, engine warnings that they wanted to retire that engine before it blew up um, to save it. So really a horror horror weekend for Red Bull um, that was magnified by the horror weekend for Mercedes. Yeah, another bad week for Albon, unfortunately. I remember reading that the, the floor the floor of the car actually mm. contributes to about 40% of the downforce. Yep. So when he's, when he's taken that chunk, just like a shark has come and taken a chunk out of the floor of that, that, um, that Red Bull, you're losing so much downforce. There's, there's no way to be able to, to compete. Um, and unfortunately that floor isn't a replaceable part, just like a front wing would be. Um, so his, his race was, was stuffed from the moment that, uh, that damage occurred. And as for Verstappen, it's, I wouldn't say it was really unlucky. I mean, if he was in the lead of the race or he had a guaranteed podium, then yes, it's unlucky. But he just simply didn't have the pace. I mean, he qualified on the third row of the grid, and by the time he retired, he was languishing down in seventh or eighth or something like that. Hmm. Um, Disappointing weekend for them. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't in the mix at all, really. And, And... Verstappen's retirement with the engine sort of brings us over to engine modes as well. It's a good little segue. Uh, it was the first race where they weren't allowed to use party mode. Uh, they had to keep it uh, in the one mode. Um, there were still some odd radio messages and shenanigans, and uh, it sounds like there's a lot of uh, loopholes there that are still being exploited in terms you can turn it down to... Um, save it from exploding and all these sorts of things like that. I would assume if you've turned it down, though, you can't turn it back up. Um, but you've got to notify the stewards straight away. But, uh, yeah, I did, I, I guess we'll never know, but did this engine mode contribute to Verstappen's engine failing uh, where they had it 
higher than they normally would for a longer time. Uh, I don't think Red Bull will admit to that, but it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and when you have a look at their qualifying result, um, it seems like they were really the only team to have struggled from the new engine mode uh, rules coming in. Um, mm. As you said before, the rules around that um, slowly learning are a lot more complicated than I thought they were. I just thought it was a, a park Ferme situation where the engine mode you have for qualifying needs to continue through to the race. But the talk that you can turn it down uh, to help the longevity of that engine, whether you're able to turn it up, I don't know. Um, but whether Red Bull were running in a higher engine mode, which led to um, Verstappen's retirement, I, I, I probably think no, because when you have a look at his qualifying result, he was he was down. He was out of the out of the front two rows of the yeah. grid. Uh, yeah. If the engine was turned up high, you'd expect him to be a lot higher mm. than that. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the rules around it are, whether the engine mode um, regulations have contributed to it or is it just a simple mechanical failure. Um, I guess as the rule continues to be played out for the second half of the season, we'll see if this was just a, a one-off for Red Bull or if it's something that they'll be able to, to get their head around moving forward. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. And... Um... It was, a, it was a huge weekend in terms of results that we don't see very often and a crazy race and red flags and big crashes. But it was also a, a bit of a sad weekend uh, with the Williams family bowing out of Formula One. The name will live on um, with the new investors, but um, the family won't be there with uh, Claire Williams standing down and, and, and all of the Williams family removing themselves um, from Williams. We're yet to see uh, who's replacing... Um, the Magello, if that's been announced, I haven't I haven't seen it yet in terms of um, team principal. Uh, but yeah, if, you know Williams have always been in Formula One. It's, it's an odd feeling for me because you know I've for my entire life that I've been watching Formula One, Williams has always been there. The family's been there. Um, it's always been the the, the stalwart, and now uh, they won't be there anymore. Yeah, it is. It is quite sad. The old family-run Formula One team officially doesn't exist now anymore, does it? Um, look, no. the name will continue on. I, I know um, the American investment firm, whose name escapes me, I know they wanted Claire Williams to, to continue to take involvement in the team. But, look, she's been through a, a fair bit trying to keep uh, the Williams team afloat. Um, it's taken a, a fair toll on her and, and she's made the decision for herself to walk away from the sport. Mm. I know she'll probably have some involvement in some far less capacity, but yeah, I know there's going to be a, I think an interim um, head for the remainder of the season before they appoint someone um, moving forward after that. Um, whether it will change results um, of the Williams team moving forward, probably, uh, probably not. Um, but yeah, it, it's sad that now the family name is out of it and, and the unknown uh, will now be on from here. Yeah, and if we've got some younger listeners who knew it of Formula One or have only sort of joined watching Formula One in the last three or four years, they probably never saw the the highs of, of Williams and, and the race wins and some of the 
great drivers. Uh, they, they had everyone who was anyone who was anyone wanted to drive for Williams and it, sort of like a Ferrari um, back in the nineties and early two thousands and and things like that. Um, and if you don't know the history, um, a fantastic documentary. I think it's on Netflix or Stan, one of those ones. Um, but you really go and watch it, the Williams family documentary. It goes through Frank's creating Williams and and then his accident and, and everything that happened after that and, and Claire Williams on how she took over and stuff like that. So go and have a look. Um, it touches on Senna's death. He died in a Williams. Um, but it's it's I highly recommend it. It's a really good documentary. Um, next week we have... Magello. So we'll, we'll move on to Williams. Uh, obviously, they won't be at Magello, the family, but the, the name will be there. Interesting. I, I have no idea what's going to happen next week. We haven't been to Magello um, for, I haven't seen F1 cars at Magello. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's going to be great because it's going to be something we haven't seen. Yeah, I had a look through the track. Um the track run through today. I mean, we're still in Italy, but uh, we're moving from the Temple of Speed to something that's now uh, a little twistier than that. Um, uh, this is a track that you've driven on yourself too in iRacing, is it, Matt? Uh, no, I haven't driven Magello in iRacing. Not this one. No. Yep. no. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen Motorsport at that, that venue at all. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how the car's set up sorry, how the team set up their cars moving into this one when all they really have are simulation data to go off. Yes, they're going to use um, the free practices in order to develop and uh, change the strategy um, as necessary. Um, but I think when we have new tracks, the beautiful thing about it is that it almost serves as a great equalizer. Yep. When we go to older tracks, those teams who have had past success know what it takes to be successful at these tracks. So for instance, when you have a look at uh, Monza, when you have a look at, at, at Bahrain or, or Australia, the, the teams that do so well, they know what it takes. So when you move to a brand new track, the great equalizer is there because everyone's starting from square one. They're having to develop the car essentially on the spot or using sim data, which isn't always reliable anyway. Um, so the beautiful thing is that we might be able to see uh, more races just like we had on the weekend where some of the, yeah, the the lesser drivers will be able to make a charge because their team has been able to develop the car on the spot really well. Yeah, well, it was a great advertisement for reverse grids. Maybe uh, they'll consider doing that from now on because uh, that restart was, was fantastic and uh you, you never know I, I don't think we'll ever get to reverse grids but um it would be good to see every now and then where people have to overtake maybe maybe after the new regulations where the cars are theoretically able to uh, overtake each other a lot easier you never know but at the moment i yeah gee be tough to, to overtake a lot of cars in these f1 cars and on these tracks mm. but yeah Magello. so i'm i'm really intrigued and and yeah i can't I can't really give a comment because I haven't seen too much about it. And um, like you said, hopefully it is a great equalizer and, and we see some really good racing there um, and, and some nice overtaking positions. I mean, the only people that will have heaps and heaps and heaps of data, and hopefully they do because they're going to need it, is Ferrari because it's their test track. Yeah, and they're going to need it using all that data on uh, whatever cars that they drive on that 
test track there is going to really help them to put up a charge, stop the rot that they've currently got at the moment, mm. and um, start getting some confidence back within that team. Once yeah. the confidence is back, once they feel like they can, um, you know, not not win again, but but comfortably sit inside the points, comfortably comfortably get to Q3, um, then hopefully for Ferrari they're able to take that confidence and move forward and do better for the second half of the season. Yeah, certainly. Well, I think we'll finish on that note. Looking forward to the third in our triple header uh, at Mugello. Um, it's, it's such a crazy race, and uh, often we see, you know, this is what people think this is what Formula One is, and the, and then the next race is a bit dull. So hopefully that's not the case, and uh, we get another good one like we had on the weekend. I, I highly doubt that we're going to have uh, high speed crashes and red flags and closed pit lanes and things like that but you never know maybe we'll get a sprinkle of rain and something crazy will happen mm. i feel like the tide has turned uh, the confidence now of of mclaren the confidence now of alpha tauri mm. um, i think they're really going to start pushing you know renault are going to feel like they missed out ricardo's going to feel like he missed out so he wants to start making amends yep. for you know what, what could have been in monza um and it puts a dent in the confidence of um, Mercedes as well so it'll be interesting to see I guess something that we'll have to talk about next week certainly will well have a great week and uh, we will chat again next Monday straight after the Grand Prix I hope everyone's enjoyed the podcast uh, if you want to do some sim racing with us make sure you look up Racebeck Esports and fill in that sign in sheet and come and race with us it's all skill levels the fastest guys are in Racebeck and a few of the slower ones, like myself, are also there as well, just having a really good time each week. So come and join us if you would like. I'll see you next week, El Tonki. We'll see you soon, Matt. Take care, everyone.